I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast about the items we wear on our bodies, but sometimes wish we didn't. This is episode 54. If you're a new listener, I give you my full permission to lock yourself away for a couple of days and catch up with everything you've missed, which is a lot. Then you'll hear Deborah Meaden on Jodhpurs, Jay Blades on Teddies, and the great Dame Jacqueline Wilson on Bangles. Oof, that was a painful one. But on to today's guest, who's someone a little different from the usual, but the absolute guru when it comes to one item that we all wear at some point in our lives. It's the truly magnificent eyewear designer, Tom Davis, whose frames have been seen on anyone who's anyone, including me. Tom and I couldn't stop nattering, so this episode is another two-parter. Hear the rest on Wednesday. But now, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. On my wardrobe malfunction, we like to interview a wide range of special guests, megastars, yeah, but also people who, even if they're not household names, should be. And this is one such person because you may not know much about him, but you'll have seen his glasses on everyone from Ed Sheeran and Heston Blumenthal to Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, the entire cast of Cruella. Plus, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, that must have been a lucky omen for them. Oh, and of course, on me. So please welcome the king of spectacles, Tom Davis. Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Very well. I heard you had a bit of a drama last night. Tell me what happened. Well, I I didn't have a drama personally because uh, I removed myself from the police alarm system. Um very wisely after my store was broken into when I first opened it in Sloan Square. But this is my second ever break-in at Sloan Square. So last night, somebody threw a large lump of concrete through my Sloan Square window and stole all of, you said it in your introduction actually, all the frames from Coella. So I'm doing this thing with London Fashion Week next week, uh, or the weekend I'm supposed to be, and we're showing all the frames that we designed for Coella, which is about 120 wow. pairs. And I put the key pieces that were worn by Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, uh, in, the, in, the, in the window of the store. And I've got this absolutely heart-wrenching video of a large concrete block flying through the window, two sort of masked uh, robbers bundling through, scooping up glasses, and left <laughs> running off with glasses. Uh, uh, yeah, the alarm went off. When I got, woke up this morning, my phone's like ringing, 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 ringing because yeah, my store staff were devastated, uh, you know, rightly so, um, because yeah, this, the store was just absolutely in chaos and literally about half a million pounds worth of product just whipped off the shelves. Um, it's quite dramatic. I know it's dramatic. Tom, but- no, of course it is. But I mean... Do you think they know that they've got the glasses from the film? Cruella? No, I don't think so. I think they're probably... 
I think what will happen is I'm going to tell this story, of course, and I'm going to reach out to my network of followers or whatever and see if I can fight, get people to track down the frames, you know. And, you know, these are quite distinctive pieces, you know. They say, you know, Tom Davis for Emma Stone on the inside and things like that. So, you know, somebody's going to go, you know, these are quite hot property, I suppose. It's not like they can just stick them on eBay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so I'm going to try and track the bastards down and, and just see if I can't get these glasses back and... Uh, yeah, I, but it's like I say, I, I ought to be upset, and I, I am. On part of me, I'm upset. But the other thing is, it was fascinating watching the video of the guys rogging around from my shop, and like there's some they like sort of spilled out at the end and left on the floor, and I kind of want to say to them, "Well, oh, no, you, you forgot one. Okay, don't leave that there." You know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's like it, it is. It's I'm, I think I'm in still a bit of a state of shock. Actually, I'm going over to the store later. Just to have a look. And I think that's when my heart will break. But at the moment, I've just watched the videos. Oh, Tom, that is a, dis a disaster. But like you say, you've always got to look at the upside of these kind of things. And it is, a, a, you know, truth can be stranger than fiction. And they, these are iconic glasses for a film. And now they're going on their own adventure. You know, the film as well, it's like, uh, I mean, it's a great film. I don't know if you've seen it at all yet. Mm. But, no, not yet. Uh, for me to watch it. it it was it was such a joy for me to watch because glasses aren't very well they're not done in films very well in general. I mean, mm. films don't do eyewear very well at all. And uh, I was very lucky to work with Jenny Bevan, uh, who you know loved the idea of the actors wearing exquisite eyewear um, because I kind of you know the, the original brief was just to make a frame for Emma Thompson. It's this beautiful mm. sunglass because the script called for this iconic piece. So I went in to do that, and that, that's what I went in for. And it was a beautiful, beautiful design I came up with, if I don't say so myself. No, it was, though, because she's a fashion designer in the film, very well-renowned, and they had to be over the top, quite glamorous. And I did a beautiful sort of Jackie O-style frame, but I embedded a, a, a sort of a line of gold, 18-karat gold, in the top of the frame, because this lady, she's a fashion designer in the 70s in the film, but she made a big thing in the 60s. So I thought this should be 60s inspired. You know, she's a more mature character. This is a sort of frame she wear, but I put the gold inside to make them just beautiful. And it's a great scene when she's looking to liberties and the, the frames are right into the camera like this. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, and I said to Jenny, I said, you know, the problem with this uh, film is it's in the 70s. Everybody in the 70s wore glasses because there's no laser surgery. There's no contact lenses. And everyone wears glasses. I said, you, you know, you've got to do, I've got to do everybody. She says, what do you mean? You can't make like glasses for everyone. I said, I can make every glasses for everybody. She says, what, all the extras as well? I said, yeah, all the extras as well. Uh, and I, I was, it was fun. So when you see the film, it's brilliant because there's so many glasses in there and they're ginormous, big over the top 70s glasses on some characters. I, I, I should have bought, I've got the script downstairs. I remember getting the script and I'm reading the script. But first of all, I'm thinking, why have they given me the script? This is amazing. Like, literally, Disney have given me the script. Are they crazy? So I'm like, you know, I'm getting the script out, and I'm like, I'm going through it, reading it. I'm getting my pen out, and I'm going, right then, uh, glasses. I'm uh, looking through it. Glasses. Uh, looking through it. And I, 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 I literally wrote on every page where I could possibly justify a pair of spectacles in a movie. And I went down, sat down with Jenny. Uh, we went through it. And basically, I walked away from my sort of second meeting with a brief to make, you know, literally hundreds of frames. Um, and it was great because I met with Emma Stone and I sort of met the director. And the director said, um, oh, I don't think we're doing glasses in this movie. 
I, I, sh- I, I should hold on. I get a frame. I should, this is my this is my reenactment, and I'd made okay. this frame for Emma, and she picked it up and she goes, "Oh, these are amazing! You know, are these amazing?" And that was it. In that moment, the uh, it was the f- the f- the frames became part of the film because the actor um, wanted it, and so I ended up with this sort of journey for each character where they start off with a. I should give you a chance to talk. Sorry, I, I, you've got me no, talking no, about my keep going. This now. is um, no, this it, is well, it is. Yeah, this is your moment, not mine. I'm just pulling it out of you, which isn't hard. Keep going. So the the actors have um, uh, a journey of character, which I'd read in the script, and so Estella is played by Emma Stone. Is the sort of one side, the good side of Cruella, and she turns into Cruella. So she starts off with a sort of innocent, open frame which was what I wanted to do, to make her sort of look like um, approachable, innocent. And then as she becomes, evil's not the word, because she's a kind of anti-hero. She's, you know, you like her when she's evil too, but nevertheless, I wanted to give her something a little bit more pointy. And when I say I wanted to give her, you know, I suggested this to the costume team and they, you know, they agreed. I mean, it's not, I, it's not like I had ultimate control here or anything. Um, I just sort of said, this would be great. Uh, and they were like, yeah, that, go, go for it, Tom, go for it. And so we, we sort of went on this little journey with the characters where they had uh, a, a visual transformation because you know what happens when you wear a frame. It totally dominates your face. It's like, it's the most important. I mean, I know, I know you're doing wardrobe and clothes, but eyewear for me is you can wear the crappiest outfit with a great pair of glasses and you will look cool. But if you wear the most beautiful outfit and a crap pair of glasses, you will look, you know, crap. You, you can look like, like crap, you know. You, mm. you can get it so wrong. I'm trying to avoid swearing here. Um, oh, because, I swear all the time. Uh, it's fucking fine. Well, I, no- I noticed, I noticed. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but no, so, so it's really important that you get your eyewear um, right for the character, just you personally. But in a film, to have a character develop through the film, that was brilliant for me because normally you have a character, like when I did Superman for Clark Kent's glasses, my brief was to make him not look like Superman when he had his glasses on, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one look. Whereas in Cruella, it was like, you, you know, you have, I, you, the character develops, so the eyewear can do that. And that's for me, if I'm designing for anybody, I look at your character and what I want to design for you and what I want the glasses to say about you. But also, I mean, talk about wardrobes. I do a wardrobe for people. So um, a lot of people, I was, we talk about, you know, this is you when you're relaxed at home, you know, and then you change your frame. And this is, this is for you when you're at work. You need to kick ass and you need to look stern. And, you know, this is for you when you're on holiday or when you're playing golf. See, there are so many emotions attached to what these lines do here. And that's what people don't kind of get. So in the film sense, mm. uh, to be fair, I don't think anyone even gets that mostly. I, it was, the joy for me was sort of telling these stories to the costume directors and the director and them sort of looking a realisation on their face, go, oh, yeah, go on then, do it. And, and that, was, that was like, so I think I had the most fun ever making glasses for this film. I'm not surprised because, I mean, what's so interesting about it and the way you tell it, Tom, is that the um, glasses themselves, so they represent the script and the story and the narrative and you're reflecting that. And so... It must, having the glasses for the actors to wear must have really helped them to evolve their own roles. They, I'd be interested, did you get any feedback on that from any, anyone that it helped their actual performance wearing the glasses? I mean, I've talked with costume directors many times over the years and 
I've had a, a few rebuttals where they say, you let the actors do the acting and they will, they will tell that, you know. So not everyone's been so receptive to my spectacle charms. Um, but in the case of the film, I mean, Emma Stone chose to wear glasses, okay? So that, that, first of all, that was kind of her decision. And that, 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 I think, if you watch the film, you will see that the, the fact she's wearing glasses is unusual in a, in, in a film, especially for a lead character. Uh, Emma Thompson, though, she, uh, at the fitting, she loved the glasses. And all the photos I got from her, I, I couldn't do the fitting, uh, but all the glasses she was uh, wearing, she was acting with them, even in the photos. When I say acting, she was holding them. And So when you watch the film, you just got to see how she gesticulates with them, how she Brilliant. takes them on and off the whole time, how she she actually uses it as almost not... not like not a, prop. a prop. not the word. Yeah. Yeah, well, prop, I don't know. It's like she... It becomes something that she really works with that helps tell the story, not just the fact that because she, she motions with them, she gestures with them, she uses them dramatic effect, which is all her own decision because she can also choose not to wear them, but she can choose to just have them on the face. But the fact that she acts with them, so for me, it's like, again, I'm sitting there. I mean, my family must have got sick with me because I was given a literally running commentary all the way through. But like, there's a <laughs> section where she's holding the frames like this and uh, in a hand, waving them in right at the camera. You can see my little hinge, which says Tom Davis yeah. on it. And it's just like, I, I'm like, look at that, look at that. You know, it was, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, so, it was really nice. It was really nice to see it. And, 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 and I, you know, I got to watch it again, of course, and again, and probably again. But uh, what was really nice for me, probably one of the biggest compliments I had is media. I was trawling social media to look at Cruella, and the people were saying, finally, a film with good eyewear, like, like the, the sort of forums I go on for glasses. Yeah. Um, you know, finally a, a frame with great eyewear, and it's just like to read something like that from my peers. That's probably my, 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 the thing that's made me the proudest. Amazing, Tom. But so, I mean, this Corella is your twelfth film, but we'll come back to them in a bit. But first, you you grew up in Derby and you went to art school. So you had obviously had an eye for design when you were quite young. So was that an area in some form that you wanted to go into? I mean, the influences on design come from my parents, I guess. My mum's an artist, and uh, my dad uh, is an art teacher and, and an artist himself. Um, and so it's creativity has been in the family. And I never really thought I was going to be get in a creative degree. And, and even at school, I, was, I didn't really enjoy school very much. The only class I was any good at was art. And that wasn't necessarily because of anything other than the teacher that we, I had in my last year, I fell in love with. She was just the most gorgeous, <laughs> glamorous lady ever. And like everyone loved her. All the, all the students loved her. All the teachers loved her. And she was very enthusiastic and young and beautiful. And, you know, like my grades went from C to A, you know, within <laughs> a week, you know. And it was just, I just, all, you know, I'd never asked my parents for homework help. And I'd go home and go, oh, dad, can you just, how, how do I shade in this football boot, you know? And I'd get my thing out and he'd show me a little trick to do it. And I'd go back in and my teacher would go, oh, wonderful, Tom, look at that. You know, and, and consequently, um, I, I can probably pinpoint my entire creative career uh, to this teacher, Miss Walker. And then we went on to, um, I went on to uh, do an art course after that simply because I, enjoy, I thought, well, you know what, I'll just do two years of art school because I enjoy this and then I'll get a proper job. And then I thought, I'll get a degree in art. I'll do a degree, at least three more years. I'll do that and then I'll get a proper job. And I did that. And then my, in my degree, I thought, hmm, wait a minute. I could maybe get a job doing this. <laughs> so. so how did you get into 
how did that happen, getting into eyewear design? I got a job, actually, after university designing trade show stands. Not my intended idea, but it wasn't going very well. And one of my friends was going to Hong Kong, and he said, Tom, come with me. I said, no, no, I've got a proper job now. I've got a proper job. But if it doesn't work out, um, I will, uh, I'll come with you. And I spelt royal, I've spelt, made a big spelling mistake on this big sale for the Royal Navy, and I got fired. It's cost him 30 grand. So I was kicked out and I thought, shit, I've got to go to Hong Kong now. So I went to Hong Kong with my friend uh, and I got offered lots of, loads of jobs uh, in, in creative areas. And one of them was eyewear. I didn't want it. I, the, in, the interview, um, I'd already been offered a job designing telephones, mobile phones. Uh, I, got, I took it and it was 40 grand a year. And I was, you know, 21 years old yeah. in Hong Kong, 10% tax, happy days. Uh, but this one job, I had an interview, and I didn't want to even go to the interview because I already got a job. But because I don't like letting anyone down, I'd had an interview. I went, and it was for 12 grand a year, which was, you know, less than I was earning in Cambridge as a trade show designer. I got to the interview, and the guy says to me, I says, I don't like glasses. Glasses, specky four eyes. And he says, he said, Tom, it's the most important area of design there is. He says, more important than watches. They made watches too. More important watches, more important than shoes. More important than clothes. It's on your face. Everyone sees it. It's the most important area of design. And I thought about it. And I thought, well, I don't know anything about glasses. I don't know anything about mobile phones. But I just like the idea. I think he sold me the dream in that moment. And I thought, I, he's right. You know, glasses are, you know, there's time for glasses. So, so I took the job um, of, as chief designer of nothing because it was a brand new startup eyewear division in their watch factory. <laughs> but I was chief designer. Uh, and you know, and I was literally found myself back in Milan, like two weeks after arriving in Hong Kong, um, learning how to design glasses. So uh, it was been, you know, it's been a, a whirlwind adventure ever since then. That's amazing. That is amazing because, I mean, I think you're so right when you say, you know, how glasses can transform your face, and that's something I've kind of known subconsciously, but you brought it into consciousness and. It is, especially for kind of older women like myself who doesn't want to have a facelift or an eye lift or whatever, to put on a pair of glasses. So, you know, to go from that to that is, I can't be without my glasses now. And I would rather um, spend, invest money in a great pair of glasses by you than I would have done on my wedding dress. Your wedding dress you only wear for one day and it costs a fucking fortune. These are with you every day. And like they say, like you say, they can turn you from standing in the back, fading into the background to coming to the foreground. If that's what you, you want. But they're just extraordinary. And just I want to see you without take your glasses off for a second. Well it's yeah, so if you see um I know that I transform in my glasses. Yeah. And I go from ordinary bloke, which is okay, to eyewear superstar. But if I take them off, you know, yes. it's, so I don't it, like myself now. I, I don't think, I don't, I don't look at that and think, you know, looking good today, Tom. And I put those on. And now I'm handsome. I'm good looking. I'm thinner. I'm more dynamic. And it's like, I just went on holiday, went camping in Devon with the family. And I came home and I, because... I, I, I let you a little secret. I don't actually need to wear glasses. Um, so I left them at home. And I came in and I went, ah, I'm back. You know, it's like, it's just, you, I miss it. It's like, it's just yeah. a, 
this just does so much. If you get it right, I mean, for me, uh, I've got like a, a three-quarter peaked eyebrow. So my eyebrow peaks here, okay? So, and I wear a side parting. So those two things in my rules are linked. You've got a side parting, you've got an eyebrow like this, you've got a side parting. And if you've got a side parting, you can wear a cat eye. Now I'm a man and I'm very unusual for wearing a cat eye. But I'll show, if I show you this one here, which I think, this is a yeah, bold pair of glasses. Doesn't do the same thing. But to, to, to the layman, it's black, square, it's similar weight, similar size. Why is it not working? This one, it does something for me. Now, that's to do with my brow line and then subsequently my haircut. And for yourself, if you, do, if you take your glasses off for me, you see, it, 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 especially on Zoom calls, okay, the compression, yeah, you've got the same natural arched eyebrow, exactly mm. the same, which is why you can wear the style I've made for you, which is very similar to mine, obviously. Mm. But the compression on Zoom, now you've put that on, the camera's focused all on that black, and you've, all your skin looks smoother and younger, and it's lifted your face, and, and, and that is the magic of a really nice pair of glasses. And it's exaggerated here in the Zoom camera, but it works in real life too. When you put that on, it's just, it makes you look, you know, it makes you look more alive, I think. It's a, this is how I explain it to people. A sunglass, people like wearing sunglasses. Um, and they hate wearing their glasses because sunglasses bring symmetry to the face and they're big and oversized and bold. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, very nice, that is. These very, are another nice. pair of Tom Davis, yes. <laughs> um, I have a wardrobe. Yeah. I have a walk-in wardrobe of Tom's glasses. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You see, they, so people wear, love wearing sunglasses like that, and they think they look fantastic, and the color's great. In fact, those also change color, in, don't they, in the, mm -hmm. uh, in the sun? In the sun. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, the, uh, the, the frame changes, not the lenses, as, as I like to tell people. But there, you've got a frame that's doing the similar job as a sunglass for you in terms of what it does to your face. So if you, get, if you don't like glasses and you wear boring glasses or one brown pair that goes with everything, you are going to hate your glasses. If you've got a frame which does something for you like a sunglass does and you have that as a part of a wardrobe, some days you might want to wear something more relaxed. That's okay. Then you need that in your wardrobe too. But, um, you know, sometimes you just want to wear something that makes you feel great. And I think that's the same thing with all clothes. You know, mm. why not? Why, why wouldn't you wear something that makes you feel great? You know, you, everyone has that option. I mean, you do for glasses what Trini and I used to do for clothes. And it's all about proportion and glasses can reproportion your face they can like you say give you more symmetry they can change the the kind of vibe you're giving off you know if you're quite an insecure person they you 
you've put a pair of glasses on and you look that you look empowered and in control. Um, and it's amazing. I've, I've always found it so fascinating how you design glasses with a true artistic eye. So, and I, I can't imagine there's anyone else in the world that does that. Well, I don't have a natural competitor. There's loads of eyewear brands there I admire and I, and I love. Um, but when I say a natural competitor, for me, what I do is, it's just, it is about the person. So it's always about you and, and your personality. So a lot of brands are about the frame and the style and people can wear that and that's great. Uh, and I, and I, I say I've got some brands I absolutely love, but for what I do, it's about designing something to make you look better. So of course I have the off-the-shelf range, but even my off-the-shelf range is a little bit odd in that the relationship between the nose fit and the size yeah, of the frame. Yeah, what is that about the nose bar that you've designed? What is that? Haven't you just, or is that only for me with my new sunglasses? So if you go into any of my stores, I, each of my stores has a nose bar. And uh, I, can, if, I don't know if I can just sh push it around. It probably doesn't work there. Right, right just there, there's a bar of oh, glasses. Yeah. Okay, And yeah. those glasses are effectively, there's about 100 different nose fits there. So think about the maths of this. You go into a store and they've got about 1,000 frames. And maybe 500 of them are for, 600 are for women, 400 are for men. And the chances of you... Picking a frame in there that you like, uh, that fit your nose, fit your prescription, your, your, the length of your ears, uh, in a colour that you like, is absolutely remote, which is why everyone ends up hating their glasses. But with a nose bar, you can pick any frame in my store, and what the first thing we'll do is we'll measure the shape of your nose by you actually physically trying something on, until you get something that feels comfortable and looks good, and then we can apply that fit to any frame in the store. So it's really the sort of the bedrock of what we do. It's like the nose, if it doesn't fit the nose, there's gonna be no balance. You're gonna get marks here, it's gonna slip down your face, you're gonna to be too tight, give you pain here, and you're gonna hate your glasses. So start with a beautiful nose fit, uh, and that's, a, that's definitely a system I invented. But it must also be, depending on someone's face, about how wide you have the nose bar going across. So some people might suit a thicker, wider bar than a narrow metal one. The, the nose bar, we do it just, we do it just for just the for fit, just for the fit here. But that thickness there is what we'll do for visual tricks. So, for example, if you've got a big nose and you want to hide your big nose, actually, I can probably do that again on here. Uh, this is what's called a keyhole bridge. Okay, a keyhole okay, bridge yeah, is that, a high yeah. bridge and it's got like a shape of keyhole in it. So, if you're wearing a keyhole bridge uh, and you put it on, you, it goes I've got higher a up your nose, big long yeah, nose. Got a great you know, honker on you now. Yeah, yeah, massive honker, right? So I put this one on here. Now I've got a small nose, okay? And Amazing. you can play with the tricks of the thickness there. So the last thing you want to do, if you've got a big nose, the last thing you want to do is go to an optician who puts a keyhole bridge on you because it's the get out of jail. They fit everybody keyhole bridges, but they also make you look like that bloke in a, with the comedy moustache and the cigar and the big, the big nose that you... You know, you can buy mm -hmm. the, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the, 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 a keel bridge will make you look like you've got a huge honk. So what you want is to control the thickness here with yeah, that's the way where meant, it sits. Yeah. yeah, but we do that as a visual trick afterwards. So if you've got a big nose, I can yeah. make it look smaller. If you've got a small button yeah. nose, elongating the nose can make some uh, stretch to your face. It will make you look more beautiful. If that, you know, and, and, and they're the sort of visual tricks that we play. So with, with yourself, your nose was fine. 
But what I wanted to do is bring the lines in here. So your my glasses are similar, but mine are square because I'm male. Yours go in like mm. this, exactly like with your cheekbones, your chin, and that accentuates that. Yeah, so it that. follows. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's those strong visual lines, and it it, make, it slims the face, lifts the face, you know. And so it's the you, this, this silhouette of this is the way you cut it is is what's going to transform how you, you know your people perceive your face. It's interesting because when I whenever I talk about your well, now always when I'm wearing my glasses on Instagram, I get so many people asking where are your glasses from where are your glasses from so there are going to be a lot of people very happy to be listening to this but you always had your eye on making glasses for well-known figures and one person in particular was Richard Branson is that right uh, when I was a young spectacle designer uh, I was god how old was I then I was going to be I'm going to say 26 and I was starting out my business and I went uh, I was flying to Japan to meet a factory to talk about producing frames for me. And I had no money at all. And I was I flew economy on Virgin Atlantic for 250 quid return. And when I got to the check-in desk, the check-in desk there, it's a lovely lady. I said to her, I was a bit of a nervous flyer. Now, to be fair, that was normally one of my special secret tricks for getting upgrades. Because in the olden days, you I had a, I, I could, you know, I could mind control people into giving me upgrades. And so um, she I started at Joy, her name was Joy. So I'm standing chatting to Joy and because uh, I'm a nervous flyer and she says, um, I tell you what, I've got you an upgrade. And she managed to get me into their upper class. And I, and I was delighted uh, and I flew over to Japan. And on the way uh, back, um, I managed to use my special powers again with uh, a, a Japanese person and uh, managed to get an upgrade back. So I, I paid 250 quid for a five gram flight and I, I was feeling a little bit bad about it. So I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? Uh, and I was reading Richard Branson's uh, biography at that time and I thought, this is a nice chap and I was feeling a bit bad. So I thought, I'm gonna make him a pair of sunglasses to say thank you. And this is when, at this time, my I bespoke to see the master, uh, I was charging five grand. And uh, I'd just had a piece of the FT about this service. That's why I was, that's why I was going to Japan, actually, to, to talk about this and making the bespokes. So I just had a piece of the FT about making, me making your glasses for five grand. And, I, and the flight was worth five grand. And I thought, I'm going to make Richard Branson a pair of bespoke glasses. And then the first problem is, how am I going to measure him? So I went to Madame Two Swords with my little measuring tools and I snuck under the barrier and I measured up their, uh, his temple ear to ear's measurements, <laughs> took photos of his waxwork. Uh, I made him a pair of glasses. I sent him the glasses and he sent me a lovely letter and a picture uh, with his glasses. So I said the whole story. I told him why I'd done it, you know, uh, and thanked him profusely for my, for my flight. And he was, um, yeah, and, I, 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 and he sent it back. So that was, that's, my, that's my silly Richard Branson story. That is so cool. And then very quickly after that, your first kind of well-known, iconic, probably one of the most iconic glasses wearer is Heston Blumenthal. You you created that look for him, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, we all, we, you, me and him are right, uh, right now sharing a sort of signature look, which is I developed uh, actually alongside Heston. So originally... I made something uh, like it for myself and Heston said, oh, I like that. And we, I bespoke it for him and then I bespoke it back for me. And over like, I don't know, I don't know maybe 12 years, uh, he's had 60 pairs of glasses off me. Uh, and it's always been this constant evolution 
of um, of shapes. It's a really we actually did this recently. We got a big chart of all his glasses and how they've evolved over the years. But um, uh, the for Heston Vision Express wanted to stop my range because I was doing a Heston Blumenthal range. They said, "Can Tom? Can you make Heston's glasses?" And I said, "Why would I design Heston's range? That you know, I'm doing my own Tom Davis range." And uh, but they wanted a, Heston to have a bespoke Tom Davis. And I said, "Well, why don't you just wear?" a a pair of glasses. It didn't quite make sense, but anyway, Heston's Heston. So I bespoke him uh, a, a pair of glasses, and we be just we just became friends basically because he's a super creative guy uh, and was very inspiring. And uh, and you know he would push me, and I'd push him back, and we'd end up we ended up creating you know some I don't know. So I thought some really iconic glasses. Yeah, they really are. And then also, it's it's like I watched. Um, actually, I didn't watch it, but I saw a photograph of. Ed Sheeran making an appearance on the Friends episode, which they've just done with um, Elton John, and he's not wearing his glasses, and he needs to always wear his glasses, who are also designed by you. Yeah, I've not seen that actually, but um, yeah. uh, he that's a, that's a surprise because he's pretty much these days almost always wearing his glasses. Mm. I think he's somebody that looks good in glasses as well. I think you know uh, he came to me. Uh, actually, he just walked into my Sloan Square store, and um, I uh, I was sitting in my office, and we have a like screen, and as people upload photos, I can see what's being bespoke. Because what I like to do is I can learn a lot about frame design and what people are wanting in trends, because every, every we we design them on people's faces. So the design team's sitting there, and up pops Ed Sheeran's face, and I'm like, I said Sheeran, he's in my shop, and it's too late; he'd already left. Um, so I start. I helped with that particular bespoke, and then we made the one frame. And then basically for the fitting, I made sure I was, you know, there at the fitting. And again, um, everyone says what a lovely guy Ed Sheeran is, um, and he is. You know, he's just like a normal sort of happy, nice person. And we just chatting away for a, you know a couple of hours about glasses. And before I knew it, I think I'd made him. 25 30 pairs within the you know within it like a the, wow. that, in the next year it, what's nice about Ed Sheeran again it, I like working with creative people he knows what he wants yeah and uh, 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 and he challenges me and but also you know I think he respected what I, I could do and so we had a you know it's, it's really it's really weird making glasses for somebody that famous because you know these people and you you kind of when you meet them in person you think they're going to be something different but mm. they're not. They're just like what you see on and everything. And you know them, but they don't know you. It's really a quite a surreal experience. I, I tell you a, a funny story. I went round his house, and my um, assistant, uh, I was there to fit his horn glasses, and I was out and about somewhere, and I said to Lisa, I said, look, can you bring all the horn adjusting equipment with you? Meet me at his house, and we'll, we'll go in. So see you there, three o'clock. Okay. So we arrived round Ed's house. And this was early on. This is only the first fitting. And I got around his house, this beautiful house, and uh, went inside. And my assistant comes in, and we're chatting about his glasses, and he's talking about this and this. And you're sort of trying to look at the man, but you're looking around at all this amazing <laughs> sort of things in the house, thinking, yeah. oh, what's going on? It's really weird, but he's chatting away just like you'd expect. And I said to Lisa, I said, pass me the hair straighteners. Hair straighteners, I... I, I, I Okay, when you're just in buffalo horn, it's really difficult. So I took my wife's hair straighteners, put a pair of Spider-Man socks from my son over them, and, and used them to bend. doesn't matter. 
the point is that I invented this tool and she forgot it. Uh, and so I said, oh, never mind, never mind. Get the uh, oil pan out. We'll have to do it the old-fashioned way. And she's like, looks at me, shakes her head. <laughs> I'm like, you've forgotten that as well. She says, yeah. I said, have you got the, he have you got the heater? Uh, she, she's like this. She literally, she was so excited about going to Ed Sheeran's house. She forgot she was actually there to bring my stuff. So I said to Ed Sheeran, I said, you got a girlfriend? Uh, he says, yes. Yeah. So she's got any hair straight? She says, yeah. And he's got hair straighteners. And then he, said, he got her old, uh, so he got his socks. And he got a pair of Ed Sheeran socks from his tour bag. Uh, I said, you've got a pair of scissors, I'm going to cut your socks. So I cut his socks up, put them over the edge, uh, used his wife's, now wife's, hair straighteners. Uh, and I could do two of the five pairs I'd fit in. And I, but the others I couldn't. I said, I need to, have you got, have you got a pan? He gets a pan out, he got any oil. And we're pouring all his oils, linseed oil, olive oil, all these posh oils into the pan. And I'm heating them up on his stove. And I'm totally sweating it. Like, I'm trying to act cool, you know, I'm Tom Davis. And, and, and Ed Sheeran, he said to me, he says, oh, this is so rock and roll. I'm like... I'm thinking, this is so un-rock and roll, it's unbelievable, you know, snorting drugs or, or boozing or whatever, but not shitting myself uh, with £5,000 worth of glasses in a pan on your stove. And, and it, so much could go wrong. And he was merrily playing me his, uh, this Christmas song he'd written for somebody. And he's saying, you know, what do you think about this? And my hands are shaking because <laughs> I'm like trying to try not to destroy these glasses. And he's like, oh, I'm going to wear these tomorrow on a GQ shoot. You know, and, uh, and he's playing the song. And I remember he was playing this one bit of song. I says, um, I says, you know what's missing on that? He says, what? I says, you need bells ringing. You need bells. He goes, hold on a second. And he goes on three minutes later, like this, jing, jing, jing. I said, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and it was funny. Then I went down into his cellar. He showed me, gave me a tour of his uh, recording studio. And he says, will you sign my wall, Tom? And I'm thinking, me? Sign your wall? And I picked, there's a, he had a little shark there from... Um, Damien Hurst had drawn a shark on his wall. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is too good to be true. So I drew a little pair of specs on the shark and <laughs> signed oh, my name. Brilliant. But <laughs> devalued so, it by kind of, you know, yeah, probably, probably about yeah. a couple of mil. I mean, you are such a maverick because you're, in a way, you're as much a, not a, you're a kind of layman, a layman scientist as well, because the things you do are so, um, they make absolute sense, but, I, I, you know, your, your factory, from what you told me, is literally, basically, it's a sort of glorified kitchen, isn't it? Where you've got these heating appliances and you've got all the colours in these big jars. And I've invented an acetate kitchen where you can cook your material. And I'm currently experimenting with this concept of putting this into retail stores because I keep having people come in. I mean, you should do it. It's so much fun. You come in and you've got, they're like breakfast jars lined up with acetate colour chips in and you take out the colours you want, mix it together and then you press it into make a, an acetate plate and then I could literally stick my machine and turn a, a pair of glasses. And I'm amazed the joy people have doing it has surprised me. I mean, I, I invented the machines so I could make samples for my new collections but whenever anyone visits a factory, I'm like, yeah, give it a go. And it just, it's like almost like a childhood joy but the the frame the results are always really good because people choose naturally their colors and they they, they sprinkle and, and and make stuff and the frame it, it works and you can have loads of fun with it i just did one yesterday morning with glow in the dark stars i love glow in the dark stars I used to have them on my ceiling as a mm. kid so i sprinkled a load into an acetate plate and pressed them so i'm making a pair of sunglasses that will have stars inside that will glow in the dark and it's just that's like and, it, and i made the plate it popped out i'm looking at it it bloody works. Look at that. You know, why didn't it work? But it should work and it does work. So, uh, you know, um, I have a lot of fun making different materials. You know, I made some out of our coffee ground waste the other day 
Um, the frames fall apart a little bit too easily, but I'll, I'll, crack the, I'll crack the science on that one sometime soon. And then you use cut grass from which football pitch? You use put cut grass or you want to do this? My factory's in Brentford and uh, when I opened the factory, I fell in love with Brentford Football Club. And uh, at the last game of the season, at, when we got, uh, at Brent, Griffin Park, I got some grass from the pitch because this is like 120-year-old stadium and they're knocking it down. Uh, and so I've laminated it inside a material uh, and I'm, gonna make, I'm making myself the ultimate fan Brentford Football Club glasses with the grass inside it. But, you know, I don't know if anyone else would like those, but I love them. That's, I love that idea. I mean, people would love that, to have, like, little mementos on the inside of the frames. It could be, I don't know what, you could put toenail clippings, someone's ashes. Yeah. You could do it with someone's ashes, put them in. You could put anything in there. Yeah. I mean, I started off with doing stuff like gold leaf and stuff that I would thought, oh, that would be valuable and people would like that. And that moved on to put some um, lavender from my roof garden at the factory uh, inside. And that worked too. And then, you know, I, I put like some old uh, flag inside, Union Jack flag. Uh, and uh, they just look, they just look so like awesome. And as you sort of, yeah, so I'm sort of playing with these ideas, but I think there's, a, there's something amazing. There's something absolutely amazing there. Uh, I haven't quite figured out what to do, but I think it's something you know, the idea, because this is, glasses are such a personal object mm. that you can put even more personal things inside mm. uh, that are personal to you. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's the sort of thing that I sit there watching a film and I'm literally thinking about what I can do with glasses. Uh, and I'm not, I'm sitting in front of the telly, but I'm not interested in what's going on. I'm just thinking about glasses and what I could do with glasses. And that's the sort of thing that occupies my downtime. That's it for part one. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review us on your chosen podcast platform. Thanks to Tom, to our house band duo, and of course, thanks to you for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.